When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Broadcasting from beautiful, sexy, steamy Studio City, California, this is the Knapsack Files. I'm Ken Knapsack here for a very special mini-sode edition of the Knapsack Files, the reason being... Uh, I am uh, on a bit of a hiatus from doing the big shows and the big interviews because I'm preparing uh, to head down to Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con, with the Schmoes No crew. Schmoes going to be doing some work for the Spike TV folks, so uh, the hashtag control the con is the Schmoes. Be sure to hashtag that and follow them through the con, and we'll be doing some cool stuff down there. Red carpets, interviews, uh, crashing some parties, getting some proper invites to parties, trying to get a picture with George R. R. Martin, uh, all the all the normal things you can look forward to at uh, Comic Con if you haven't been. It's crazy if you if you haven't been in years, you're probably the smart ones. Uh, but so uh, I can't sit down and do a full episode, but I didn't want to leave uh, leave anybody wanting more. Uh, while I'm gone, it's going to be a kind of a month uh, off, so I figured I'd sit down and maybe start recording some mini-sodes about little subjects that I want to talk about. Uh, it's, it's it's my airwaves, gosh darn it. I think I'll uh, put something out there. So what I was going to do today is talk about my top five Star Wars moments. It was recently announced, uh, recently announced that the uh, Schmoes are getting the Schmoes No Movie Network, a series of movie shows, movie-related shows. And on that network, I will be hosting the Star Wars Cantina with Maud Garrett, uh, who is one of our favorite people in Schmoville, one of the relative newcomers to our uh, world. But she is uh, a very successful and popular and talented uh, radio host and presenter in Australia and has uh, carried that over here to America. And one of the uh, most passionate, knowledgeable Star Wars fans I have ever uh, been around, and I'm so happy to have Maude on the show, and we're going to be starting that on the Shmoes No Network. Uh, August 4th will be our first show, so in, in kind of in preparation of that, I want to talk a little bit about Star Wars, my top five favorite moments. In fact, and, and, and I want to be clear, this is not like scenes. It's not drawn-out scenes or parts of the story. These are my top five favorite moments that make me happy to be a Star Wars fan, that affected me as a kid. Uh, yeah, maybe some are a little bit longer moments than others, but these are the things that made me go, oh, I love this universe, and then gave me chills, or they made me reenact it out on a playground with my friends at recess at school. Like, all right, you're going to be Luke. I'll be Han Solo. You get to beat Chewbacca. Oh, you don't want to beat Chewbacca this week? All right. Billy, you get to beat Chewbacca. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that inspired that moment, inspired the fandom. Um... And that's what it is. That's what this Minnesota Minnesota is going to be about, if I can say Minnesota right. Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota. Here we go. Um, live to tape has its privileges and drawbacks. 
So top five favorite Star Wars moments from me, Ken Knapsack. I'm sure you have your own, so hashtag the Knapsack Files on Twitter to join the conversation. Find our Facebook page, like it, and join the conversation there and tell me your favorite Star Wars moments. Here are mine coming in at number five. I've talked about this before when I've appeared on the Far, Far Away podcast with Christian Harloff and Tiffany Smith on Geek Nation, and that is when the Imperial Walkers are marching towards the Hoth base and the rebel soldier out there in Hoth gear uh, leading the charge. Everyone's getting ready. There's tension in the air and he looks through those uh, binoculars which actually they might be minoculars or or one, whatever. What is one ocular? An ocular? <laughs> whatever it is, he looks through it and he looks across the field, across the snow and we've already kind of heard walkers are coming. You hear the pounding and the, the tension. You're picking up the tension as a kid. I had no idea what was going on and what was coming for for my beloved rebels. And he looks through and he sees that big foot of the uh, Adat Walker or the AT-AT Walker, if you prefer to call it that. I grew up calling it the Adat Walker, all-terrain armored transport. And that big foot crashes down on the snow and he pans up and you see that body. And the the head with, with cannons are it's marching towards you. And I just remember as a kid being so terrified for those guys in the trenches that not only was one of those coming because any you, you you get a the, the grand picture. There's five of them coming, marching towards you. Imperial walkers are on the South Ridge. I, I was terrified as a kid. I would always daydream about being in that situation. What would I do? Probably run for the hills where I'd run into a wampa and be killed. Um, but maybe if I grabbed my tauntaun and headed headed some other direction, maybe I'd be fine. And I, that is uh, one of the fun moments of the Star Wars universe and the world that George Lucas created is that as a kid, you could get into it. And, and now, I mean, I could put myself there now, but as a kid, when you watch that, or maybe as a kid now watching it, you can get into that world and kind of imagine what you would do in that situation based on some of these moments. These are why they're my top five moments. So when that Ada Walker is coming up and that foot's in the binoculars, that is my top five, uh, number one, five moment. Oh my, I must be drinking today. Number four actually comes from the pre prequels. That's right, the prequels. I'm going to throw one of them a bone. I'm going to throw a little moment in there. I'm going to be a little little uh, sneaky and put in a prequel moment. And it is the what I call the ruminations moment. Now, uh, whether or not you hate the prequels outright or not, uh, a lot of people can agree that some of the best parts of the prequels uh, were, well, the soundtracks, the, the, the score. Uh, John Williams uh, really did not lose a step when these prequels came out. I think some of the best Star Wars music comes from these three movies. There I said it. It's out there. And I know a lot of people who agree. And one of my favorite moments um, is based around one of the best songs uh, on, the, on the Revenge of the Sith score. And that is the Ruminations uh, track. And it is a dark, kind of foreboding um, low kind of humming vocal choral kind of a, a feel to it, and it plays in the scene where where uh, Hayden Christensen as as Anakin Skywalker has discovered that Palpatine is in fact the Sith Lord they've been looking for for all these years, um, and he goes to Mace Windu and they've been battling and he gives Mace this information. Mace says, "Thanks, stay here. Uh, I'll, if you're right, I'll trust you now. You've won my trust, but we're gonna go get him." And Anakin kind of knows that's going to be 
bad for them. It's, he's also tossing around. He wants to go help, but also at the same time, he kind of likes this Palpatine guy. He's kind of been his mentor to the things he's saying. Palpatine's been getting in his head, and he talked to him all about the Darth Plagueis the Wise. Um, and really kind of, uh, <laughs> and that's another one favorite moment I do like in Revenge of the Sith, that whole conversation between Anakin and Palpatine and, and talking about uh, skills that some can learn and some there's skills you can learn that some would consider unnatural and how do you learn it? Well, not from a Jedi. I love that scene. And so that kind of feeling kind of uh, actually carries over to this scene in this moment. So, so Mace goes off and, and Anakin goes to the Jedi uh, temple up there in the Jedi Master Council chamber area, and he just kind of sit and he's and he's ruminating. He's thinking about the possibilities. He has this woman he loves. He's had these visions that she's going to die. And across the way, over in her fancy apartment in the sky, is is Padme, his secret bride, his now secret mother of his at the time what he thought was just one child. And she's feeling it all, too. Maybe she's got, I don't know, she, she has Force-sensitive uh, skills uh, buried deep within her brain. I don't know. Maybe a midi-chlorine or two transferred. Uh, ooh. Um, but she's sitting in her room, and she is staring back out. And it's a great shot. And she's staring back out at the Jedi Temple where, where Anakin is there. Then he gets up and goes to the window. And then this score, this track in the score, Rumination, starts playing. And there's just a brief moment there where they're both looking at each other from across Coruscant. Uh, and they don't know they're looking at each other, but they can feel that they're looking at each other. And that music's playing. And for me, it was one of the... It was for a brief moment. Again, it's a moment. It's a brief moment where the emotions uh, that should have been all through the prequel, at least Revenge of the Sith, were paid off, or at least a, a glimpse of what could have been if they had paid them off a little better. And it is a, it is a sad moment, it's a bittersweet moment, um, and it has some depth to it, and it's nicely shot, there's no dialogue. Uh, I go back to Attack of the Clones... The, the scene where Padme and Anakin are being taken out to the uh, big arena to be uh, executed publicly, and you have the, the horrible, I truly, deeply love you dialogue. I always said if that scene was shot with no dialogue, and they just looked at each other, and their forbidden love was coming, coming to fruition here, but they, it, they both knew it as they're being taken out to be executed publicly, and that shot with, with the big uh, arena kind of coming into, into view as they get wheeled out that would have been a great moment so we didn't get that then we kind of got it now my top uh, my number four moment ruminations from revenge of the sith uh if only the prequel had been filled with more of those moments life might have been different number three on my list of top five star wars moments is the introduction of darth vader as a kid, when I saw this movie, now I I gotta say I actually saw things um, in reverse in a way. I uh, was I did see A New Hope, uh, as it's now called, with Star Wars, in my the back of my parents' Volkswagen van. I was one years old, uh, one year old over there uh, at the drive-in theater, and they told me that I was all swaddled in the back. So uh, Star Wars was uh, in my brain before I even knew what it was. Uh, but I didn't really see anything until Re uh, Return of the Jedi. I almost said Revenge of the Jedi. Um, I do remember seeing the trailers for Revenge of the Jedi. But I saw Return of the Jedi, and it took me into this whole world. Uh, quickly um, saw Empire next, actually. So then I worked my way back to Star Wars, A New Hope, Episode Four. But I saw it in a short amount of time. So to me, I kind of saw them... Um, 
unfold. Uh, it, it wasn't too bizarre. It, was too, it wasn't like, oh, that guy, that, that guy's uh, Luke's father. Um, I was still too young to really put it all together. But um, I got to say, that first moment in A New Hope, when, when, Darth, when Darth Vader uh, comes out, the Storms and the Rebels have gotten into the firefight on the blockade runner, and it ends, and you go back, and, and then there's this anticipation moment, and all of a sudden those doors open up, and whoosh, um, too bad the Imperial March wasn't uh, created yet as a sound cue, but you have uh, kind of this uh, almost vaudevillian burr, 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 uh, sound as Vader enters. Uh, what an introduction to a villain, and what a way to set the tone for what was to come. And he, Darth Vader, I believe, is the most iconic, quote-unquote, villain. In the end, he may not be a villain, um, if you follow the story, really, but um, just in terms of Big Batty. Would everyone in science fiction or epic uh, stories and movies and books want to tell? They want to create a villain that is on par with Darth Vader. You even see Disney do it now with their upcoming Rebels series, which I'm looking forward to on Disney XD. And they've got the Inquisitor, and they've openly say, hey, we're trying to, we're not copying Darth Vader, but we want to create someone on that level, even in castings in Episode 7. When the Adam Driver casting happened and people were talking about, well, you know, he's going to be like the Darth Vader of the new series, which we still don't know if that's fact or not. But again, Vader is the standard bearer of what you want to have your villains look like, feel like, sound like, and, and the essence that feels the, fills the screen and, and the terror they create. And, and that first shot when Vader enters into the blockade runner corridor after the firefight, and you've got this sea of white stormtroopers and this uh, dark, ominous figure with a flowing cape walks in. It is one of those chill moments. It's one of the greatest moments in cinema, I believe. And it has to be a top five Star Wars moment for, I think, anybody. But it's my top three. Uh, number two. Number two from the same movie. And this is the one that when I saw it as a kid, you talk about getting excited and getting into it and wanting to be in this world and wanting to be... Han Solo, some people wanted to be Luke, some people wanted to be, well, more people wanted to be Han Solo. I was one of the Solo ones, and I believe it can be traced to this moment. Again, even though I saw them out of order, I saw them Jedi in theater, Empire New Hope right after that at home. Um, this moment from Star Wars A New Hope is the all, you're all clear, kid, let's blow this thing and go home moment. It's Han Solo saving the day, letting Luke, buying Luke that vital amount of time to launch his proton por torpedoes. His proton torpedoes using nothing but the Force. Luke, you've turned your system off. You okay? I'm okay. That was because of Han Solo coming back. The rogue scoundrel had left, taken his money, and bolted. Begrudgingly said, hey, may the Force be with you, kid. But, you know, hey, you're pretty good in a firefight. You want to come with? No? All right. May, may the Force be with you. Good luck to y'all. And here, as a kid, as adult, as an adult, I probably would have thought, if I'd seen that movie as an adult in 1977, I probably would have said, I bet Solo comes back. I bet that's not the last we saw of Han Solo. But even... Again, even seeing the movies out of order for the first time as a child, I still wasn't clear maybe on the time frame. Maybe Jedi came first in my time frame as a, as a nine, eight, nine-year-old. Um, when the moment Solo leaves, I didn't know he was coming back. I, I thought he's gone. He and that big teddy bear character are taking the, the little muddy packs, and they're leaving. And I thought it was all Luke. And so when Vader's coming in, he's shot R2. 
He's uh, shot bigs, wedges left. Uh, Luke's by himself. You got the three TIE fighters, Vader in the front. They've just been destroying the rebel uh, f- fleet, the rebel, the rebel fighters, all, all during this battle over uh, Yavin for the Death Star. As a kid, I thought it was over for Luke, or I thought I thought something bad was going to happen. I bought into the tension. It worked, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, the Millennium Falcon with like the sun behind it. The great shot of the Falcon coming straight down and Vader yelling, what? And flying off and, and Han, that shot of Han, smiling, big, ear to ear. He is not the scoundrel that he thought he was. He is the hero that we needed him to be. And he yells, you're all clear, kid. Let's blow this thing and go home. One of my absolutely favorite moments. It's a cheer-inducing moment for me. And uh, that is my number two moment on my top five Star Wars moments. And number one, number one, a horrible drum roll here as I'm home in my uh, Studio City uh, apartment on a Sunday afternoon, packing, getting ready, and planning for Comic-Con. Taking some moments to talk about Star Wars here. And my number one favorite moment from the Star Wars saga comes from Return of the Jedi. And it is that exact moment that the chorus swells. And Luke has leapt from the shadows, screaming, no, as Vader tempts him and talks about his sister. And that he's going to turn his sister to the dark side. And Luke, who had been trying not to fight Darth Vader, been trying to lay down his arms, trying not to become what his father had become, leaps out of the shadows and his lightsaber's blaring. And there is that shot. And I know fans like me know the shot I'm talking about where Vader is being pushed back as Luke has launched out and his green blade is engaging with Vader's classic red blade and that that chorus. And up until then, in in the original trilogy, uh, choral uh, music or the the sounds of choruses uh, singing had not really factored into play. It came into the prequels. The Duel of the Fates had had, greatly used it. Ruminations, which I mentioned, had some vocals in it. Um... And, and, you know, the Gungans, too. Let's not forget that. Um, Ewa, all right, Ewoks, too. But uh, up until this time, this this was something a little different. It was in, in that moment where Vader's being pushed back and Luke is coming after him and the, that chorus swells. I'm not even going to try to do it because it would be disrespectful to the work of Williams if a rube like me tried to do it. That is, to me, it is the iconic moment from Star Wars. It is this story you've been following of, of the farm boy set off adrift into the, the bigger universe and this evil he's been fighting that he learns he is of that evil. It is his father, but he's got to do what he's got to do and, and, and in a way save his father by doing this. And he accepts that fate at that moment and the chorus swells as they fight and the tide has turned. Oh, that gives me chills. And that is why I remain a powerful Star Wars fan. I remain uh, just in love with the saga and the world that was created. And at the end of the day, yeah, you know what? Lucas misfired a little bit with the prequels. Maybe, maybe, maybe it wasn't just for me. Maybe it wasn't for us. Maybe it's for the young kids. But there's things in the prequels I do like. And I, and I will spend time on the Star Wars Cantina show on the Schmoes No Network. I will spend time talking about some of the positive things of the prequels. But overall... I throw that aside because I look at George Lucas and, and I just want to say 
thank you. And I ran into him once at the Grove and I did in Hollywood and I didn't didn't say anything, not the way I roll, but I just wanted to reach over, shake his hand and say thank you for these uh, moments that you've created and these are my top five Star Wars moments that make me so excited to be a fan, they give me chills to be a fan, they put me into the world where as a kid, I'd spend hours as a kid just watching those movies and trying to, what would I do on a speeder bike? What would I do if I was in that position with Luke and just so lost in the world? And and I love it so much, and I know a lot of you out there do. And if you don't, I apologize. This was only 20 minutes. I hope you worked through it. But those are my top five moments. And like I said, I want you guys to... I want you guys to... To share with me your top five Star Wars moments, you can find me on Twitter at Ken Knapsack. You can find the Knapsack Files on Facebook. Like us there. If you're on Twitter and you're, you're going to tweet me your top five moments, hashtag it, the Knapsack Files, to join the conversation. All right, and we'll have some more uh, mini-sotes for you later on. Maybe I'll do something before I leave for Comic-Con. Um, and uh, so I'll have stories to tell after Comic-Con. So don't forget, if you're on iTunes, find us there. Subscribe, rate, and review, and don't forget we're on Stitcher, and uh, don't forget to uh, watch uh, Schmoes No Podcast every Thursday, 6 p.m. PST, live on SchmoesNo.com, and uh, you'll have, uh, well, you'll have uh, a good time on that one, too, as the brand is growing there. But thank you so much for listening to the Napsock Files. My audience has been growing, and I know it's a lot of bleed over from the folks of uh, fine fans in Schmoville. A lot of you have found me now, uh, and I'm so happy to have you, and there's going to be a lot more uh, things to come. we got some great interviews um, lined up for after Comic-Con, uh, including uh, Scott Mance, uh, including Mark Ellis and Makuga, Josh Makuga, the wild man, coming back in studio, trying to get Bonnie Somerville in here. And uh, also some people who you don't know from the world of Schmoes uh, that I'm going to try to bring in here that you're going to love just as well, uh, and it's going to be fun. So thank you for taking the, the journey with me, and thank you for sharing your top five Star Wars moments. I want you to do that. Let's start a conversation on the social media. All right, so until next time, this has been Ken Napsock for the Napsock Files. We will see you next time. <laughs>